January 6, 2024. Three men sit down to do a podcast and discuss a era of the macabre in Las Vegas that has been lost to time. As one frustrated journalist, Preston Stillman, cracks open the Kolchak files. Four brothers ride into battle. Man, we're nerds. Gluten-free gladiator Andrew. Todd the Brain Willard. What you doing? Dave the Family Man Shook. Crash and Burn. Preston, Paul Sign, Apollo, piloting the Light Mech Commando. Atomic Power. Feel like we've grown as a podcast? It's a science experiment. So bad, it's good. I thought you were ranting and I zoned out. My bad. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome back, fans, to the Discerning Geeks Portal. And tonight, we are discussing one of the greatest horror movies of the week that has ever been released, both in quality and in ratings performance, Kolchak the Night Stalker. I'm joined with my fellow investigative journalist, Todd. Hi, how are you? And Dave. I'm here. (laughs) Very serious. (laughs) I've tried really hard. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight we, as I just said, we'll be discussing Kolchak, the Night Stalker, the TV movie from 1973. I think 72. Uh, Two. 72, yes. Mm -hmm. 72. And this was one of the highest rated movies of the week ever released in television history. Only topped in, in the following years by Roots, which is still to this day the highest rated movie of the week ever and with 100 million views. That was Roots. Uh, Kolchak got a 33 million steady views and a 54 share. For context, the current highest rated show on television, NCIS, gets 16 million viewers regularly. Hmm. Todd, yeah. I believe you have. Yeah, so what were those numbers again for Kolchak then? Uh, Kolchak got 33 million uh, steady viewers that watched the entire show and a 54 share, which means 54 million people floated in and out of the show and program, and 33 million stayed viewed consistently uh, throughout the entire program. Yeah, I've always wondered what that share meant. Okay. And I apologize. I realized uh, after we, we did the intro that I was probably supposed to play along with the bit. Now I'm just more like, hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I it's so, it's so fitting that. for you, though. It, it's <laughs> it's perfect. Todd, I believe you have the rundown of our uh, report this evening. Uh, yes. And I tried to summarize this and I did okay on the first couple sentences, but I didn't do a great job on the third sentence. Uh, so this, this summary is not my best work. I apologize ahead of time. So yes, we are reviewing Kolchak the Night Stalker. And just to avoid confusion, the TV show had the same name, but this is the first of two TV movies with the second one being, I believe, Kolchak the Night Strangler, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, When several women across the Las Vegas Strip are found dead and drained of blood, veteran newspaper reporter Carl Kolchak suspects an assailant who believes himself to be a vampire. A skeptical police department and an overly cautious newspaper editor aren't as open-minded to this strange possibility. 
but a lack of their own leads and a desperate need to solve the case lead to an uneasy agreement between the police and Kolchak, an agreement which doesn't totally go Kolchak's way when he's forced into a situation of physically defending the vampire's latest abductee from becoming the next murder victim. Kolchak stars Darren McGavin as Carl Kolchak, Simon Oakland as Tony Vincenzo, Kolchak's newspaper editor, Ralph Meeker as Bernie Jenkins, an FBI agent and friend of Kolchak's, Claude Akins as Sheriff Warren Butcher, and Carol Lindley as Gail Foster, Kolchak's girlfriend. Uh, this was broadcast on the ABC TV network on January 18, 1972, making this TV movie almost 62 years old. It was written by Richard Matheson. It was directed by John Llewellyn Moxie. And where can you find it? Uh, you'll have to find this on YouTube. Now, the TV show is out there. I forgot to check on this before we started recording. It is on a streaming service, but I think that's the TV show proper, not the TV movies. So you have to find both TV movies on YouTube. Uh, and I feel like that is the best place for this. Uh, everyone should be able to watch Kolchak. I feel like we should. they should put Kolchak, the TV show, on YouTube so that everyone can enjoy it. So... Let us go with our initial thoughts. I haven't heard from Dave. And, and we, we now, in fairness, a little bit behind the scenes, we did discuss this at dinner a, a week prior to this recording. So I know where Dave kind of <laughs> sits with a lot of this. But let's go with initial thoughts first. From, from yeah, Dave. I had fun. This was a fun movie. I mean, this came out. Four years before I was born, so I'm not used to going back that far. I'm usually the nostalgic guy with a lot of the uh, the sci-fi and fantasy stuff that we watch, and I like kind of going back to the classics. But I was totally unaware of Kolchak before Preston brought it to our attention, and he had mentioned it in several episodes before, and it was great actually getting to watch the action in this movie. It's dated. But it's still fun. It's still a fun little watch. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. Now to Mr. Willard, how do you feel about Kolchak the Night Stalker? I do like it. I like it enough that I am curious enough and willing enough to view more of the TV show and maybe the other TV movie. I can't say I'm blown away by it or like super enthusiastic. It's more like, yeah, I, I could check out a few more episodes. In fact, I have already watched an episode. It, it's one that Preston, you listed in our favorite single episode stories uh, episode. It was the one about the politician. And I, yes. so I did watch that. So I've now seen the TV movie and one kind of middle episode of the TV show. And again, I like it. Um, Dave mentioned it's dated. It is, and that's one thing that is a little bit of a roadblock for me from completely enjoying it. It also didn't help that it was on YouTube because the, what do you call it, not the reception, but the uh, resolution of the picture was not very good, and it was made in the 70s anyway. So I'm trying my best not to hold that against it, but at the same time, it just doesn't have the same feel as more modern day stuff that I'm more used to. So it is a little bit hard to get into. But again, I, I like the show mostly because of the main character. So I am willing to see more. And I, I was okay with the TV movie. 
Well, wonderful, wonderful. And of course, I'm the one that, that recommended this particular feature for the podcast. I'm the one that is responsible for this particular viewing. So I have to say that this is great. It's a great piece of noir detective mystery. And, um, you know, it's got a vampire. It's Las Vegas in the 70s before it got all Disney and like sad. <laughs> and and because like there, there was a middle period from like 80 to about 2000 where Vegas was just sad. And now Vegas is is coming back to being weird and, and goofy, and, and yeah, we're, we're we're back at it. This is one of those movies that I didn't watch growing up. Like I watched the TV show. This was one of those things that I found on YouTube years later. I just watched it and I was like, oh yeah, this is this is exactly why this got its own television show. It's it's genius. I love I love the voiceovers. I love Kolchak as, as the Night Stalker. I love how they lay out. Like in the seventies, there was a real thing in uh, horror where you had to eliminate all possible scientific solutions for uh, the manifestation or the supernatural before accepting that this was in fact a monster of myth and legend or a ghost that you were dealing with. And a lot of that comes from the exorcist, but it was really, it was done really well here. And you can see why this movie is the basis for a lot of monster of the week programming, including most infamously the X-Files, but we'll get there now that we we've had time to kind of do our introductions. Let's talk about the star of the program. Darren McGavin as Carl Kolchak. How do we like Carl? Is he a believable newspaper man? And do you find him a compelling character that is not too much of, like, he knows what's going on and everything he does is right because he knows what's going on? Is there too much of that or do you think they played it perfectly? He's learning and he's growing like you get a full character experience with this movie. I loved it. I thought he was great. I, I mean, this is this is to me a character that kind of like Todd. I want to know more about. Um, I haven't yet. Um, it's on my list. Definitely going back and finding some of the old episodes and and watching the show some more just to get a little bit more because I I do I enjoy this character and I enjoyed how it was played. I like getting called up in everything and, and that search for truth. You mentioned the X-Files. It is a very early version of that. And just looking in, in searching for the truth and, and getting down to it and really getting your hands dirty. He was a cool character. He's not superhero quality. Like he's not one that you kind of feel like is going to go in with guns blazing, uh, trying to think of a, a but, He's smart enough and he's determined enough to get to the truth. And once he gets to the truth and you find out what's going on, he's willing to see it through and he knows what needs to be done. And he's willing to put, you know, his life and everything else on the line to get done and get there. And, and I thought that was cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm smitten. I like it. I think it was great. 
Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad to have you aboard, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Now to Mr. Willard. How do you feel? Yeah, I do like Kolchak. I'm not sure I have anything super deep or articulate to say. I do just in general like his personality, his open mindedness and his tenacity. One thing I'm curious about is whether he's always into strange cases or if this was his first one, uh, because he seems to have a lot of strife with his editor. And I didn't know if his editor has problems with him because he's had strange cases in the past that he has written about or if there's something else going on between those two. Uh, maybe it's just kind of like a stereotype that you've got a, a, a rogue reporter and an, and an editor who, you know, likes things a certain way and they're just going to butt heads. And this was a whole new reason to butt heads. I, I'm, I'm not sure of that. Maybe you can clarify for me later, but it, it is one of those things where I wonder, well, if, if he's, if he's so bad, why does it, why does his editor even keep him around? But while Dave was talking, I just happened to think of something, you know, we talk about stuff being dated. There is something I used to watch in the past, maybe not religiously, but, you know, maybe in second run syndication that I did enjoy that kind of reminds me of this. And that is Matlock. Wow. Matlock. Nice pull, Grandpa. (laughs) That starred Eddie Griffin from the Andy Griffith Show, which happened to be based here in North Carolina. You know, Matlock, he was really a detective. His job was lawyer, but he thought like a detective and he solved his law cases as a detective. And that's kind of what Kolchak is. He's basically a detective. He just has to report the stuff he sees and he carries around a camera and that's his weapon. But he is kind of like the reporter version of Matlock. And so I guess maybe that's the thing that I have found appealing and familiar about him. But yeah, I, I no, no issues with the character himself. Well, great. And, and well, now we get into, because I feel like this is a perfect time to get into the deep lore of Kolchak. Because Kolchak started out as a book that the, the writer wrote. Rice was his last name. I, f- I forget his first name. But Rice wrote the book, The Kolchak Files. It, it, it was legitimately this story, you know, front to back. Uh, the the vampire is not named the same. It, it is a different name, but it, it is basically the same story. And he didn't ever get it uh, published, but when he translated it into a script and sent it around, people loved it. And they really wanted to make this script. There is a whole book that was then later published after this movie, and I've never been able to find it, but there is a book. And in the book, it details that Kolchak was actually a reporter in New York before coming to Vegas. And he was investigating some scandal in uh, the New York politics scene involving the mob and all that. And he submits the story to Vincenzo, who was also working in New York at the time and they send it off and Kolchak gets, you know, thrown out, basically thrown out, out of New York and everything. And Darren McGavin reads this and says, perfect. That's, that's the basis of the character. He's, you know, someone that found something that he wasn't supposed to find and was thrown out one time because of bureaucracy. But now he's 
scraping by in Vegas and Vincenzo's kind of keeping him all on because of their past ties together. But he's frozen when he was really successful in, you know, the early 60s. And he's just kind of been bombing around Vegas for the past 10 years or so. So he's kind of frozen with like an older car and this old suit because originally the character had a costume design of, you know, Hawaiian shirt and shorts and sandals. And Darren said, this is awful. This is, this is just terrible. Who, who walks around like that in Vegas? Oh, you get burned up because again, Vegas is a desert. That, that little bit alters the character to the point where he's, he's wandering around in the blue suit with the older car and the, the straw hat because he has no money for a real hat. There's a little bit of backstory that I think maybe could answer a little bit of questions. Uh, next part. How did everyone feel about the supporting cast? From secondary villains of the piece, which is basically the Las Vegas Police Department and government officials, to our lovable editor-in-chief, Antonio Vincenzo, and, of course, our lovely femme fatale. Which, which we'll get to later. Like, don't don't feel like you have to, you know, go too deep on her. She'll get a whole other section. Uh, as far as some of the secondary characters, they were good. Uh, as far as performances, I mean, uh, really, no pro- no problem with any performances except for one little bit part that I'll get to if, if we get to nitpicks later. But for the most part, yeah, the the support characters were pretty good, I guess. I don't know. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe it was still clearly stated and maybe I just missed it and wasn't paying enough attention, but it could have been a little bit clearer who some of the supporting characters were Uh, like reading the cast list in Wikipedia to do the rundown. One guy was a sheriff. One was a DA. One was, I think a police chief or something like that. I was under the impression maybe one was a mayor, but maybe not. When they were all in that office, I wasn't sure exactly where that office was. And if that was supposed to be a, the police department, it didn't look much like a police department kind of office. So I guess I could have used a little bit of clarification on who people were, but their performances were fine. And the point was, these were people in power who, for some reason, didn't like Kolchak. <laughs> so I guess he's got a bad reputation from just about everybody everywhere he goes. He, I guess he just rubs people the wrong way. And I guess maybe that's what we, the audience, are supposed to like about him. So, yeah, I liked the uh, the support characters as far as what they represented and the performances. Uh, maybe a little lost on the details. And then you mentioned the love interest. We'll get to her later. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save that one. Dave, how about yourself? I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the character interactions. I didn't have a problem with any of them. I'll save my, I, I, the only one I had a problem with was probably our, uh, our femme fatale that we'll talk about here in a little bit. And, uh, it's a minor one. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about our major bad, you know, vampire mute, but, uh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> the rest of, I mean, they were they were kind of bit parts, uh, but it's a 1972 movie, so I would definitely encourage people to go back and, and watch it. I may talk about some spoilers, so you know if you really are opposed to spoilers, 
you know, before you go too much further in our review, maybe go watch it and then come back and listen to the review because, but I mean, I don't feel too bad if you, you've had obviously 50 years at this point to watch it. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, um, kind of like you had mentioned the, the almost extra bads that he has to deal with, you know, this is not just a man versus monster movie. But he's having to fight the monster and fight the system at the whole at the same time. It is very much precursor and feels very much like the X Files. It's you know not only are you having to explore and try to find out what this thing is and try to survive it and, and get past the bad, but at the same time you have people who are actively working against you in the that you're trying to help. And I, I love that. I think that's a fun dichotomy that, that Kolchak has and, and has to kind of, you know, work within. Uh, and in the end, you know, like I said, big spoiler, they find a way to screw him over. And I, I, I loved it. I thought I was, I mean, not that I liked that he was, you know, kind of screwed over, but it worked perfectly in the movie that was there. Yeah, that's exactly what would have happened, you know. So, <laughs> in a way, you get to keep this character the same way. You know, if he becomes the hero, then going forward, he's going to be the guy that's the hero. And, you know, oh, wow, yeah, he's the the one that defeated so-and-so. You know, he's automatically Harry Potter and the boy who lived or whatever, you know. if he, But he doesn't get to take any of the credit it's kind of a neat thing that he gets to stay in that role that he's in maybe even beat down another peg a little bit at the end after doing everything that was that was good and and you know based on some of these interactions now and i and not all of them are negative i'm a huge fan and i've talked about it a couple of times on this podcast and i listen to some other podcasts where they play the role playing game monster of the week and they have characters like this and it's, and it was so fun to watch this movie and almost think of the moves that he was using as a character. If he were being role played and it's like, Oh look, he's actually using his contacts and getting in touch with people and being able to, and that's a move in the role playing game that certain characters have. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool that he's doing that. And then this happens. Oh, well, must roll bad. Cause <laughs> something bad happened to him. Um, and so it was it was really kind of interesting and fun to watch it almost in that mindset of wow this could have easily been a a role playing session of monster of the week with this character and and having to fight this monster and I thought it was great so and the other characters came into play and like I said he's he gets to use some of them and and get some information from them and they help him out um and some of them are even tiny little bit parts the ultimate discovery of where the bad vampire is comes from him going and talking to a contact at a at one of the casinos i'm almost certain and he's a, a real estate guy oh yeah you know talk around see if you found any really strange people buying property in the last little you know and, and ask your buddies and that's the guy that's like yeah here's this here's the house this guy bought this house and you need to go check it out and that's where he finds him and i thought that was cool you know he's using his contacts he's finding out what's going on and and so yeah i liked it i thought it was great 
Wonderful, wonderful. And now we come to very interesting and very important characters, but also maybe controversial characters. But we'll begin with the femme fatale, Miss Gail Foster. What did everyone think of Gail, her relationship with Kolchak? Do you feel like she was introduced properly? And ultimately, her fate in this movie. I like the way you kind of asked that. And, and part of that's probably because, like you had mentioned earlier, about a week ago, we had a little bit of a conversation. And I was confused. And I kind of wanted to make sure I was clear on the understanding. Because I knew that there were these movies And I knew that there was the TV series. Now, in our day and age, typically a TV show comes out and it does well and it runs for a couple series. And then it's like, ooh, you get a made for TV movie that you get to do. That was not the case with this movie. This movie came out (laughs) and I think actually the other movie came out and then they're like, hey, let's run with it and turn it into a TV show. The reason I was a little confused was Gail comes on the set and on the scene and i'm like who is this person and where did they come from and i almost felt like i missed like maybe backstory that would have been in a tv series that introduced this character and had that been there when she showed up on the screen in the movie everybody's like oh that's his girlfriend oh i'm glad she's here i didn't know who she was (laughs) and they didn't take a lot of time developing her into letting you know who she was they're not super clear on their relationship to begin with it's you know they're kind of there and it's not even clear on what she does we know she works at nights in nevada in las vegas you know no, 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 no. kolchak had her stop working nights because he got a he got the cushy job at ins Right. But she was up until that point, she was working nights and it was kind of like, okay, so what does she do in working nights? Is she just a stripper friend that he knows? Is this a prostitute that he calls on regularly? I don't, I don't know. And so I thought that was a big letdown. I mean, I thought she was an interesting character, but I felt like in the story that I was given, there wasn't enough there to develop it. And then when bad stuff kind of happens at the end, it was hard to feel the sting that it should have had, you know, had, had this been a real, if this was a super important relationship and it was developed and we got a little bit more into it and understood the ins and outs of the relationship better than him having to leave at the end. And there's a big question mark as to what happens to her, you know, and the mom may have just kind of offed her, you know, that's, that's very tragic. That would be, you know, tragic for Kolchak going forward. But it was hard to see that in the movie. It just didn't, it didn't, they didn't develop it very well in my, in my opinion. Um, and that was a big hole for me. Probably one of the biggest negatives I had in the, in the whole film. So. I'll save my comments for the end, but um, Todd, how did, how did you feel about our, our dear, dear Miss Foster? Well, it's kind of weird. Dave brought up some of the same points I was going to bring up. I also am unclear as to what her profession is. Um, And I thought, is she a prostitute? Is she a stripper? Is she a dancer in some kind of nightclub? You know, she's got some kind of night job. And again, maybe I missed the part about how she doesn't have it anymore. I thought the line dialogue was that he wanted her to stop. 
but she what but she was still working at nights whatever it is she was doing but even in the wikipedia entry i think it calls her a change girl and it has change girl in quotes and so i'm not sure what that's supposed to mean and then at the end when uh the bad guys kind of force her to leave the city they call her an undesirable element it's like what what does that mean i actually kind of sort of like the fact that it's unclear because like dave the first time she's introduced i thought she was just another of his contacts and when he had her arm around her i thought they were just extremely comfortable with each other the first time i saw them more comfortable with each other in like a bedroom i thought well maybe that's what she is a prostitute and and in addition to getting information from her he occasionally pays her but then she kept showing up and then i read in the uh wikipedia article oh no she's actually a girlfriend and i'm like okay so that was kind of interesting that she was a little bit on the mysterious side and their relationship was a little bit hard to figure out and maybe a little bit complicated and if anything i'm disappointed at the end that she is gone and i'm hoping that she does show up in the tv show and obviously Preston, you know whether she does or not. Uh, but it would be nice if she were around, even if she came, just came back as like a, a guest star or something. But I liked her because she seemed interested in his work and supportive of it. And so when he's hunting down this vampire, nobody else believes him. She's the one that goes to the library because there's no internet back then and checks out a bunch of books on vampires. And she's the one that gives him information. So I thought she was a pretty cool character and I'd like to see Moreover, if that's possible. Well, I, I won't spoil anything about whether or not you see Miss Foster again. Um, but to me, Gail's always been an interesting uh, element of Kolchak lore in that she's someone that he, that Kolchak falls in love with. And it's clear that the only real interest that he's ever had in his entire life is just being a journalist, finding out the truth. That's the only thing he's ever been really interested in. And that pursuit above all has led him to Vegas and to finally find someone that he connects with. And I believe I've always took the, the final scene of those, them two together that uh, he does propose a, a more steady relationship. I don't think marriage but I think a more steady relationship to see if, hey, maybe we want to do this marriage thing. Also, shout out to 70s television for giving all of the men that are 45 years and up the belief that they can land a 25-year-old blonde. Like, <laughs> every man in this show was at least 30 years old. And every woman, I, I, don't, I don't think I saw maybe like, two women that were over the age of 45. Um, so shout out to seventies television, uh, unreal expectations for men the world over. Thank you again. Um, but no, well, well, it's interesting you bring that up because while Dave was talking, I was looking up their ages because I was thinking about that too. Another reason why I thought, well, surely they're not a couple. And then, then they were, is that he, um, like the actors, I don't know about the characters, but he was approximately 50 uh, at the time this came out. So probably 49 when it was filmed and she was approximately 30 when it came out. So around 29 when it was filmed. And so, yeah, there was a 20 year age difference 
in the actors, who knows how, how big the age gap is supposed to be in the characters. But despite that, they seem to work. But it's another one of those things that throws you off in the beginning, making you think, oh, surely they're not a couple, but then they are anyway. And uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of like how the age difference is a bit of a quirk in it, too. It's a very, it's a very interesting character that kind of shows up in, in this movie with Gail. She's interested. She's connected. And she's a change girl. So if you don't know what a change girl is, because I don't think either of you have ever been to Vegas. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what a change girl is, that's where you go to the window and you give cold, hard cash, paper money to the the person working the window and the person working the window takes that cold hard cash sticks it under in, in, in the uh, uh deposit box and gives you the chips oh okay and that that's kind of what you do there are mentions of a lot of sex workers in this which you know it's vegas in the 70s and you know even today there are sex workers in vegas today working hard for every dollar they get salute to them it it is very prevalent in this movie and i I think that's another uh you know kind of moment in time right like this is a capture of a moment in time of vegas in the 70s and also with 70s television around about this time i want to say you know starsky and hutch starts coming along and starsky and hutch if you've never seen it is a really racy tv show especially for the seventies. Like in one of the first episodes, our heroes go to a adult movie theater and watch an adult movie on network television. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. But no, there's, there, there is a lot of raciness to it. And Miss Foster is, is very up for the challenge, bubbly and a wonderful personality. And you really think that everything's going to go well for Kolchak and Gail, and, and they're going to ride off into the sunset, and then he gets that call to go into the DA's office, and yeah, you just kind of like, uh-oh, well, what will happen to Gail? Well, she's gone, and then there's poor Kolchak in his, you know, one-bedroom studio apartment somewhere on the outskirts of Nevada and telling this story into his tape recorder. That brings us to the motivation for the whole piece, the motivation for why this movie was popular, the vampire. How did everyone feel about the vampire? Like a lot of creatures, aliens, monsters, robots, stuff like that, that are in 80s movies and TV shows, and in this case, 70s, I think we don't see enough I know that there might be some people out there that kind of prefer that style that you you can't see too much. I've always heard the Jaws argument. I admit I've never seen the movie Jaws, but you know, the argument where you can't see too much of the shark. If you see too much of the shark, it'll, it'll take away from the the danger of it. You you need the ominous feeling of not knowing where it's at or whatever, but still, I think we might've needed maybe a little bit more of seeing the vampire to understand, okay, is it really a vampire? Is it not a vampire? You know, what's the deal with it? Maybe it would have taken away from the mystique, but I, I don't know. I guess it's just the way my brain is wired. I'm the type of person I always want to see a little bit more. I mean, that's fair. I, I feel like the majority of this movie is really about the mystery. This is what would, um, how would you prove there was a vampire in modern time? 
right? You'd have to have photographic evidence. You'd have to have video evidence. You'd have to have a trail of obvious, like, evidence to lead people to the fact that, yes, not only are vampires real, but there is one in town killing hot young women and robbing us all of their beauty. Dave, what do, what do you feel? And see, I think I'm on the opposite spectrum from Todd because I love the mystery. Too often we see the bad and it's okay. That's, that's it. You know, and it's all just about killing whatever bad person it is or bad thing is out there. I love the fact that we go most of this movie. I mean, I feel like it was probably two thirds, maybe three quarters in before we even get a real scene with the vampire. Everything else is done in shadow. You know, it's like, oh, there's a dog that jumps and you see the dog get thrown and we know that there's it. But you're not seeing full on what this bad person is. That's okay. Right. For me, I, I'm okay with that. I'm like, yeah, that's the mystery. What am I looking for? What? I don't know. It, it could be anybody. Anywhere you look, it could be that next person that is the bad person that's trying to kill you and you're trying to find out who they are. He mentioned Jaws. I I love Jaws. I mean, yeah, the, the fact that it's all about and you see the feet, you know it's coming, but you know, you don't see the teeth until the last minute. I loved it. And I thought this this vampire was great. I don't know. And maybe it was more common during the 70s. It's something that's almost never happens now. We don't get a single line of dialogue from the vampire. And I'm okay with that. I, I already know their motivation. I already know what's going on. I don't need them to wane and wax and talk about, you know, anything. They are the bad thing that has to be killed. And, and I thought it was great. It was very refreshing because you almost never see that nowadays. Goodness gracious. Now, most of the bad things that we get on screen, they want to try to make you feel sorry for them. And this is why they turned bad to begin with. It was because they had an abused childhood and they had this and, oh, then we should be sympathetic for the, no, there is dark and evil and dark and evil needs to be vanquished. And I'm okay with that. I like the old Westerns, the, the cowboys that are good wear white and the bad guys wear black and they shoot it out and you don't even have to know what's going on. <laughs> That's simple for me and I love it. You know, it's Lord of the Rings. The orcs are there and they have been created to be evil. And so when you're fighting them, you know that you are fighting evil. And this is a character that was evil and I didn't need to hear their voice. And, and I, it was very, like I said, it was very refreshing. Well, great. And I'm glad that, that we have such differing opinions and, and both of you seem to enjoy the movie equally. So yeah, it, it seems like this worked, which I think is great. I know that you might have uh, some bad stuff to point out. And I, want to give you ample opportunity to point out anything bad that you would like to about this movie that you haven't already. Yeah. So one of the things that I don't know if it's a full-fledged nitpicking is it's not a big one, even if it is, but Kolchak's boss seems kind of weirdly hesitant to publish his story. 
And Carl even makes this point. It's not that he's saying the guy is a vampire. He's saying that evidence leads to this guy thinking he's a vampire. And isn't that a good enough story to publish? Um, it just, and maybe, again, it's a different time uh, than what we're used to now. But it just seemed like Vincenzo is his reasoning is that saying writing a story that there could be a vampire would cause a panic. For one thing, I don't think it would cause a panic. If anything, it would be like, well, that sounds kind of weird. Is there really such a thing as a vampire? Or And if this guy just thinks he's a vampire, that that's kind of nutty. And you would think that he would want to publish Carl's story because it's kind of sensational and therefore would sell papers. If it's not sensational, it's boring. And would that really sell papers very well? So I, I wasn't totally in tune with Vincenzo's reasoning. But again, it may just be because he's he's a editor from a different time. Um, you know, today, anybody would be like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, we definitely want to publish that because uh, weird sales. So that was a little bit strange. I might have one or two other things, but I'll, I'll let Dave take it there. I don't have a whole lot, but I want to kind of piggyback on what Todd said. I, I think if I do have a... Uh, and it's not even a nitpick. It's kind of a a challenge to watching this movie is that it is definitely you are going into another time. You know, we're going 50 years in the past when this movie was done and it's a different time. Gosh, I think if you gave this movie to anyone, I, I hate that Andrew's not here, you know, like under 20 they're not going to even understand what this character does because news is dead. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm just going to be real, real here. There is no real news reporting um, that takes place nowadays. Nobody goes and tries to investigate anything. It's all, let me just write a sensational tagline and it doesn't matter if it's true. It just matters if you feel like you can influence somebody. And so, it's a challenge to get into the mindset of this was a real reporter looking for real truth, willing to dig anywhere to find it and willing to try to get it published. But even facing some of those challenges, because it, like you mentioned, this is seventies Las Vegas. So they're trying to become the, the hot spot. They're trying to become that vacation place that everybody comes to. What they don't want is bad press. You know, it, it's very similar to kind of Jaws, right? You don't replete, re- release the report that there's a shark out there killing people because then the, the people who are coming to vacation in your town aren't going to come and then your industry is going to be hurt and that hurts everybody, even the news reporters. It, it's a challenge because of the, the the time period and how dated that this is to understand it, I think in the context that it was really written. And, and I think that's, a, that's going to be tough for anybody watching it. Uh, so my challenge would be really kind of try to, to put yourself in a different time, do a little bit of research, do on seventies, you know, mid seventies, you know, Las Vegas, what, life was like back then you know there's obviously no cell phones you know one of the weirdest scenes is actually at Kolchak is at some kind of restaurant or some kind of resort hanging out by a pool and all of a sudden he gets a phone call it's like how in the world would they even know he was there but 
I mean, it was a different time. So he would have told people, Hey, this is where I'm going. If you need me, call me here. This is where I'm going to be. <laughs> and he, they, they, he would have had to have done that. Nowadays, he would have just carried a cell phone with him and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Um, but it was a totally different time period and, and it makes it a challenge to kind of really appreciate fully in that sense. Yeah, he also went to some kind of building. I can't remember which one it was, whether it was a hospital or a police station or something like that. He went somewhere where there was a phone booth inside the building. Yeah. You know, usually you think of it, phone booths in, uh, like outside on the street, but no, this was a booth inside a building. Just, just to kind of piggyback a little bit on the on this, uh, Kolchak was one of the reasons, as a teenager, I got heavily involved in my school's newspaper and actually wanted to pursue journalism for a little bit, you know, in college. But then, you know, I started looking around and, and you know, people started telling me, listen, newspapers are dead. And, like, investigative journalism is all but dead in this country because, you know, it, it just doesn't sell. A lot of what you see in the media nowadays is, like, if you do get genuine, like investigative or genuine information, it's on like social media websites where someone with actual knowledge posts in the comments about what's going on. It, it, a lot of times the good stuff isn't really in the article, which I feel is very sad. The, the slow demise of journalism through politics and just clickbaitiness has really been disheartening for me as someone that wanted to be a journalist in, a, in another lifetime. But, you know, there, there are still bright spots. Like, like, investigative journalism isn't totally dead. There are still bright spots. Uh, BuzzFeed is very good. New York Times still does some good work. The Washington Post still does some good work. Not, Bob, not to the level of Bob Woodward or anything like that, but they still do good work out there. It's just there's not enough money for it as there is money for political propaganda machines um, that I feel have poisoned the system. But yeah, no, that, that was me on my soapbox again. Thank you for listening. So I, I believe we're about the hour mark. Do, do you guys have any other, any other comments or tidbits we, you'd like to discuss before we head to lightning round? Yeah, I still have one more nitpick and two more good things. Awesome. That I can make quick, but maybe not so quick that they would fit in lightning room. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'd love to hear. Okay. So I mentioned the part about his girlfriend doing the research by going to the library and getting the books about vampires. And that was really cool. But I'm a little bit skeptical of Kolchak not knowing certain things that she read about in the books. Like one of the things she brings up was that you kill a vampire with a stake, with a wooden stake to the heart. And he's like, hmm, wooden stake. Like he didn't know that before. And I'm thinking isn't that common knowledge now granted for some people it's not like my mom is 85 years old and i don't know if she's ever watched anything science fiction and fantasy related except the one time she took me to see the batman movie when i think i wasn't old enough to get into to that one without a parent or something like that you know back in 89 so she might not know but i would think like the average person who might have watched a movie or a tv show or, or something uh, like that might know a little bit about vampires. And so it was a little bit weird that he didn't know something like that already. Uh, but then as far as a couple of good things, I actually felt like, you know, I've been picking on the fact that this is made in the seventies and that was a long time ago in state and everything. But 
despite that, I still felt like the production quality was pretty good. You know, they may not have had high definition, steady cam, CGI, and other modern day conveniences of cinematography back then, but they still did as good as possible with camera positioning and motion shots. Like, uh, there were a few times that you could tell there was some handheld camera work and there, uh, you know, they didn't have steady cams, but there were, there were a few times where they put a, a camera in the passenger seat of his car kind of pointed up so you could see cold check, but you could also see uh, like neon signs, like scenery of Las Vegas in the background. And so he and the car were still, but the scenery was moving. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I think there was another shot where he shows up at a murder scene and the camera is kind of on the ground and it's in between two people's legs. And so as people are getting out of the car, you kind of, you're kind of watching them between two, uh, a person's legs. And then I think near the end, when he's leaving town, you kind of see a shot from above his car and and nowadays, you'd probably just use a drone for that. But back then, they probably had to use a crane. And I can't remember if the camera actually follows him as he continues to go down the road. If so, it was probably a helicopter shot. So they went to a lot of trouble to get the shots in just this little TV movie. And so that that's kind of impressive. And then also impressive were a few of the stunts. Like there is that guy that gets thrown out of a high window. Um uh, th there are a few fight scenes, uh, but also one that that really comes to mind is one of the times that the vampire does show up, I think at the hospital when he's trying to steal blood and the police show up. And so there are all these cars and it's kind of chaotic, but there's one point where a police motorcycle is kind of the person is thrown off the motorcycle and the motorcycle goes sliding and it hits one car and bounces off that and goes to another car. And I'm like, that was probably not choreographed ahead of time. I doubt that they like practice. Yeah, we actually want this motorcycle to go sliding down the road. That was probably an accident and possibly pretty dangerous on the spot. I can't help but wonder if like a stump person was injured or somebody was like, holy crap, we, we didn't mean for that to happen. Is anybody hurt? No. Good. Let's, let's, let's print that shot. Uh, let's print that take. So, yeah, I thought some of the stunts were pretty impressive. So there were lots of good things about this movie, despite the fact that it's dated. Yeah. The actor that played the vampire uh, said that they had red contacts for him to wear the whole movie, but they were just so uncomfortable and, like, I think gave him some kind of eye issue. He just took them out into the rest of the movie. He's not wearing these contacts. Uh, but he, he is wearing them in those scenes. Like a lot of the scenes with slow motion are, are scenes where he's wearing the contacts and they put him in slow motion because he was so uncomfortable in those contacts that he just had to do it as fast as possible. Yeah. Great. Anything else before we hit the lightning round? Yeah, about those contacts, I don't see how anybody does even normal contacts. I'm I'm a glasses wearer, and every once in a while, I'm, I'm kind of tempted. Should I get contacts? But I, I've never pulled the trigger on it. But I've heard that a lot of times those big contacts that you use to totally hide the, the people of your eye and everything, uh, that those can be really uncomfortable. Uh, uh, at least one person in Babylon 5, here's my Babylon 5 reference. At least one person in Babylon 5 had to, had to uh, wear contacts that actually covered the entire eye, like even the whites of her eyes. And they were extremely uncomfortable, like gave her headaches and she couldn't do takes for very long either. So yeah, anytime somebody does that, I, I got to give them props because I don't know if I could. And, and a lot of people can't. Well, great. Um, so yeah, everybody got your dice? Oh yeah. Lightning round. 
Alright. Oh, right in the middle, 10. Two. And I got a nat 20. Woohoo! <laughs> Almost fitting, right? I'm, yeah. I'm going first. Um, Alright, when you're ready, Todd. Yep, I'm ready. And, and go. So, yes watch this movie if you want to understand what noir detective shows were like but you don't really want to go back into the black and white go for this if you're tired of cop shows because i'm tired of cop shows if you're tired of cop shows if you're tired of detective shows go for this because there's a vampire and it's las vegas in the 70s there's enough there to be new and different and please, 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 Time. if you can, support local journalism. Without your local paper, who knows what the people in charge can get away with. Sounds like a plan. Okay, Dave, are you ready? I am, I am. Okay, and go. So, I mentioned this earlier. This makes me want to play Monster of the Week. Um, I, I want to make some characters. I want to have people hunting a vampire and and let's make it fun like this movie they had a good time it sounded like making this movie and it got people interested and they did a good job enjoyed it so yeah let's play some monster of the week soon <laughs> oh i still have time, I time. I heard it. oh sorry <laughs> for fans if we do play monster of the week on the podcast know that my character will just be entirely based around carl kolchak I look forward to it. I think it'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm last. Ready and go. Uh, There are some nice shots of Las Vegas urban scenery, decent music during portions that are supposed to be spooky. Uh, There's occasionally some good dialogue, especially during the voiceovers. The vampire guy has a really good growl. Uh, The mother of one of the victims doesn't seem convincingly upset at her daughter's death. All around slow pacing could have been condensed into a TV episode. Uh, feels a little bit stretched out for a movie. Uh, and I've still got seven seconds. Uh, overall, I think this is good. I'm not sure I totally get the greatness of it, but again, I'm willing to see more in time. Okay. <laughs> All right. And now we go to ratings. Ratings. I believe. I'm up first. Mm-hmm. My my scale is a five-star scale as used by one Mr. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and created by Jim Cornette and Nam Dooley. It is a personal scale. Uh, this, is, this is one of those where I'm definitely going to pull the personal aspect of this scale because I don't know if you stack it up pound for pound, you'll be like, yeah, this is... This is it makes sense what he gave this, right? You know, you'll watch this and you're like, yeah, it makes sense what he rated this. But for me, this is five stars. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I was kind of wondering that. As as highly as, you, as you've spoken of this show before and the fact that you listed one of the episodes in our favorite single episode stories list, um, yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling this this might be a perfect score. For and and I, I totally I totally get it. I understand there is there is bias here, but you know, I'm going with the uh, Ro- uh, Roger Ebert uh, version of the star rating scale, where he fully admits that every movie is rated based around the circumstances that he sees the movie, and should not be taken as a grand scale of him rating things. 
like generally. And so for this movie, and I don't know, maybe just for this movie, I'm going to give it the, the five stars. Okay. Nice. So, sounds good. All right. All Dave. right. It, it's up to me. No, this is a tough one to rate for me. It's all about enjoyability, right? I enjoyed watching it. Does that mean this is going to be one that I go to and I watch, you know, every year or I go back to frequently? Probably not. I, I, I could see myself watching this again sometime in the future when I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I want to kind of go back and, and remember that. Uh, but it's probably going to be a while. You know, I don't need to see this again multiple times in a, in a year or anything like that. So it's kind of a tough rate. <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with a seven out of ten. I want to go a little bit higher because I really did enjoy it, but it is dated, and there again, it, the rewatch is probably not there for me that much. Now I say that it's got me wanting to watch the TV show, so that's why it gets a little bit higher. But I think that's a good fair rating. I think people there's something there for people to watch. I guess I'll put it that way. I think you should go and watch it, enjoy it, try to understand it in the context that it is. And yeah, I think it definitely, especially if you have ever watched X-Files, I think it'll give you an appreciation for where that comes from. And because uh, this definitely felt like the X-Files great grandfather. So yeah, very, seven. very, very interesting, interesting uh, note here. Uh, the creator of the X-Files has credited this movie as the reason that he invented the X-Files, so much so that he uh, contacted Darren McGavin and put him in an episode of the X-Files as a character that uh, they dubbed the father of the X-Files. And initially, they did want to be Kolchak. But Darren said that he, he just wouldn't reprise the role uh, because the, the, the character and what they had in the script didn't feel like Kolchak. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It, it's nice to hear when, when a, a show kind of inspires another show and, and kind of pays homage to them in that way. Um, so uh, for those that were familiar with Kolchak before, I'm sure that, you know, not just you but others, I'm sure probably recognized that when he showed up in that episode. Is it is it that obvious? Like is he doesn't just come in for a cameo. It's it's actually it's a big deal in that episode. Is that correct? It's it's a pretty big deal. Um he he's like down in the basement and they mention uh throughout the series that the guy down in the basement has always been about you know dealing with the X Files and, and that's where it led him to nowhere. Mulder and Scully don't want to end up like that guy down in the basement. Yeah. And then you go meet the guy down in the basement and it's Kolchak. Um, cool. But he, but he has a different name. Another fun fact about Kolchak. Do you want to take a guess as to what famous director got his start on Kolchak? And, and what movie series Kolchak is responsible for uh, kind of being the start of their their career? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So you got me curious. Would you believe one Mr. Robert Zemeckis? Ooh. Oh, of Kolchak the Night Stalker. And because of Kolchak the Night Stalker, we have Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's one for Andrew. 
right. <laughs> Todd, what about your rating, sir? This, it, this is also another tough one for, for me because it's one of those things where the peaks aren't very high and the valleys aren't very low. So it's going to be in the middle. And so it's just a matter of where in the middle, like the very middle of the whole scale or the very middle of the good half of the scale. And I just, I don't think I can quite get it there. I, I liked it. I didn't have any huge problems with it, but I'm also not sure that there was enough there to blow me away enough to really get the high score. So it's kind of funny in, in some offline chat that we had about this uh, a night or two ago, Preston, you predicted my grade. It is a C plus. C plus. C plus. <laughs> yes. Now, like, but remember the way my grades go. C plus is kind of the bottom of the, yes, I like it, but it means it's not in the not like it. C is like the top of the not like it scale. And I, there is a part of me that's wondering, am I being too harsh even with the C plus? Could it possibly be a B minus? I would consider that, but I would not consider knocking it down to a C. So this is at least mediocre. It's not an unlikable thing. I'm just happy that it's not down there with Black Adam. No, Um, no, 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 no. (laughs) I I just really, really am. All right, boys, I believe the, uh, the business of the evening is completed. Um, Dave, would you like to uh, tell us where they can send letters to the editor? (laughs) Yeah, we definitely need your feedback. Um, And we need your help, right? We don't ask for a lot. We get on here and we talk and we try to give you guys some content just to enjoy. And this is the one time where we're going to ask for a little something in return. And that is for you to find a little way to comment on our podcast or like our podcast or rate our podcast or even share it with a friend. Hey, if you have watched Cold Jack and I can guarantee you there's not a whole lot of other podcasts out there talking about it, you should share us with people that you think would enjoy it. And that's what we're going to ask. Um, now, that being said, you can also interact with us on our Facebook, the Discerning Geeks Portal podcast, on X, formerly known as Twitter, with at Discerning Geeks. And you can email us. We have old school email and we actually check it fairly regularly. DiscerningGeeks at gmail.com. If you email us, we would like to have your comments and Hey, maybe you know a show or a movie or a TV movie that you think that we have overlooked and we really need to review. If you send it in our con to our email, you know what? There's a really good chance that we may check it out for you. So we would love to have your interaction. Help us get over that hump. Share us with some friends and uh, let them know what we're out here doing. And then it come and interact with us and let us know what other information or movies or TV shows you would like for us to review. Guys, always enjoy coming on here and talking with you and reviewing these. This was a different one, I have to say. Um, it, it, it stretched me a little bit, but I like being stretched. Sometimes going back you know, before I was born, now I feel a little bit like I understand where Andrew's coming from some of the times. 
I think everything we do is before he was born. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep forgetting that. Sometimes we'll even talk about something in the 90s, and I'm like, well, maybe he'd. Oh, no, that's right. He was in the 2000s, wasn't he? I mean, well, like, that, that's the thing, though. Like, what, what, what is modern media anymore? Like, everything, everything's so fragmented. Yeah. That, like, there is no shared culture anymore. Could anything get 33 million viewers? I don't know. No. Other than like Stranger Things or one of the Marvel movies. Yeah, I have been going back. And the Super Bowl. I have been going back and I never watched the show when it came out. I have read some of the books, but it was almost pretty much inspired by this movie. Uh, I've been going back and watching the uh, Dresden Files. Um, Now, he's not a reporter, but he's kind of an interesting fight in the supernatural kind of in New York, kind of kind of a similar character. Um, And I enjoyed his books. And so I've gone in. And so you've kind of inspired me a little bit more along this this path, kind of the same way um, with this. But I'm going to have to go back and watch some of the actual Colchek episodes. We'll have to play some Monster of the Week and maybe we can even have some inspired Kolchek monsters in our monster of the week game. That would be fun. So, (laughs) but gentlemen, I have enjoyed it Uh, for all of our listeners out there. We mention it every week. We're all different, but the best thing that we can do in our world is embrace those differences and just enjoy whatever makes you a discerning geek guys. Have a great evening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Salutations. And may the force be with you. Always. Oh, and there's one other thing I forgot to mention. You know how I, I mentioned that this is kind of like Matlock, and Matlock was really a detective, or even though he was a lawyer, he kind of acted like a detective. I was thinking about this so much during during Kolchak that he's really a detective. When are we ever going to see him actually do some reporting? And right when I was thinking that, he the next scene, he was typing away on this typewriter. <laughs> and I was like, okay. The, there the, it is. The, the movie gave me exactly what I was expecting in that moment. And because it was so old-timey, it was one of those typewriters that is like built into his suitcase so we had to actually put the lid on on the typewriter uh, so it, yeah it's nice and quick it was great right yeah it was a good good timing on that yeah yeah I, i'm actually like you preston there was a time in my life when i thought news reporting would be awesome i actually wanted to be the photographer go to war scenes and take pictures and dive from bomb cover and and be get those award-winning time magazine photos and it's dead now, too, because everybody just holds up their iPhone and click. <laughs> it's like, well, that just totally ruined all of, you know, whatever. But I mean, um, yeah, you know, that's the thing. Real journalism is hard to find. But the people that do it, I salute you because God knows you're not going to get paid like you would if you were just a political shill. I want one of those old clicky clackety typewriters. There, there are <laughs> keyboards now that sound like that. Like there's a whole cottage industry of people making like ag- mechanical keyboards to sound like typewriters. I may have to grab you one. <laughs> like, like I, I can, I can point you in the right direction. If you're serious. I am. I am. I'm, I'm now, just now I can't get you the ding, but I can get you the, the noise. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just nostalgic. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, that was the sound. And I, again, it's so interesting because it's something that the younger generation just won't even understand, but you know, when we were watching movies and there was news and things like that, it was click, 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 click
click, 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 you know, and and that was the sound. And so I, I enjoyed the nostalgia of that as he was typing and, and doing all of that. So uh, I'm glad you interrupted my first thought, Todd, because I was going to try to make a Jar Jar Binks comment after the Star Wars. And I was like, no, that's just, I'd rather talk about something more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, there's never a good time for Jar Jar Binks. Ah, word. <laughs> No, 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 no. Click, 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 click